you know, originally my target audience was was our junior pathology residents, and it was really to help their introduction to the job and an acknowledgement of the fact that this information is not typically taught before they actually enter pathology residency. Um, but pretty quickly I realized that actually other specialties could also benefit from this type of foundational pathology knowledge. And, you know, whether someone's a junior clinician or a senior clinician, they may or may not have access to an anatomic pathology lab. And some of them have never, in fact, been to an anatomic pathology lab. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strink. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. Lack of exposure to pathology is a problem for medical students all around the world. This leads to fewer medical students choosing pathology and also clinicians of other specialties having less of an understanding of what pathology is. My guest today is Dr. Sheila Upriti. She's a pathologist in New Zealand, and she's the author of an ebook called From Specimen to Sign Out, Anatomic Pathology Explained. We're going to talk all about this book and about how Dr. Upriti found her way into pathology. All right, here's Dr. Sheila Upriti. So let, let's start uh, w- with your book. So this is called From Specimen to Sign Out, Anatomic Pathology Explained. Now this is an ebook, And I'm, I'm curious about like, what was the origin of, of the, this idea to write this book? Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, well, firstly, thank you for taking the time to, to read the book and for inviting me on. Um, of course. So the initial idea really started when I first started pathology training, and that's uh, around a decade ago now, 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, I'd come from a good clinical base, but had never really spent time in an anatomic pathology lab. So it was it was all new for me. And, you know, a few years later, when I was sitting my final viva, it, it was again, hard for me to find a good quick resource to help me articulate concepts into a good answer. And even now as a consultant, I still remember the beginner's perspective quite vividly. And throughout my training, I learnt by taking notes, by making lists. Um, So when I found my notes, again, after a few years, I thought that'd probably make the good basis for a textbook. So Around four years ago, I started writing and made numerous revisions into what's now turned into the ebook. And, you know, all this information was out there before. It was it was fragmented, though. You know, it was in different sources. And I think there was a need for it to be synthesized and presented in this new way. So I had the capacity to address that need, um, and hopefully it can make pathology more accessible and understandable um, to our juniors and our clinicians. Okay, so it took it took almost four years. You said yeah, to, to get yeah, it finished. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously working full time at, at, at you know during that process and had a period of maternity leave as well. Sure. So, so yeah, all in all, sort of in evenings and overnight um, writing stints, it, it took a while. But um, but you know, I'm really proud of where it is now, and and yeah, I think it's it's turned into the book that I that I really wanted it to be. Okay, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I like it a lot, and um. I'm curious because you, at the beginning of the book, you thank a lot of people for kind of helping you write yes. it. And like it, you obviously consulted with people. Was it as you were going along or as you finished a chapter? Or how did that go? Yeah, the uh, consulting other people was was really more towards the end of probably the first draft. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of friends and and about the idea and a lot of colleagues about the idea and everyone thought it was an interesting idea. Uh-huh. And once I'd sort of put together the first couple of drafts, I thought it'd be good to see what people think. Um, and yeah, I mean the the reviewers were were incredibly helpful. You know, they so generously gave their time and gave their expertise, and gave gave feedback for you know concepts 
to know how I could better explain things or what things I could include or or maybe even exclude. So yeah, they were they were really very helpful and and it helped me learn a lot of things as well by listening to their perspective um, of what what could be in the book. The next thing I wanted to ask you then, because it seems like you have, there's in reading the book, there's a few different audiences that that could benefit from the yes. book. And, and I think you already mentioned like medical students is probably one. So can we talk about like who, who might benefit from reading this yeah, book? Sure. So, you know, originally my target audience was, was our junior pathology residents and it was really to help their introduction to the job okay. and an acknowledgement of the fact that this information is not typically taught before they actually enter pathology residency. Um, but pretty quickly I realized that actually other specialties could also benefit from this type of foundational pathology knowledge. And, you know, whether someone's a junior clinician or a senior clinician, they may or may not have access to an anatomic pathology lab. And some of them have never, in fact, been to an anatomic pathology lab. And and they're busy people. You know, they've got enough to learn in their own specialties. They're time poor. So I really wanted to make um, an easy to read accessible resource uh, for them. You know, recently, some colleagues have also said that it, it might help senior pathologists, um, you know, those involved in teaching, because it's a quick reference resource that they can direct their residents to, you know, for example, just before you go for a frozen section, have a quick read of the chapter, or just before you go to do an FNA, have a quick read of the chapter. And yes, as you, as you mentioned, medical students, you know, pathology, I think, should really be core reading, just like anatomy is in, in our medical schools. And, you know, things are a little different in New Zealand. We We don't go into residency straight from medical school. We do, you know, usually two or three years as a clinical doctor on the wards. Um, but I know for American trainees, perhaps they may have gone straight from medical school. So in that situation, it would be mm-hmm. probably especially important that they could have access to to this information. It, that that makes sense. And it, it, like you were saying, it, the, the quick reference part. I mean, that there are probably other books that are more thorough yes. maybe, but you've got a lot of information in kind of a short you know, the chapters are, are fairly short and the information is given in sort of a, these are the things you need to know about this exactly, subject. Exactly. Yeah. It was really designed to be accessible and, and to be, to be that quick reference resource um, that that's easily accessible. And then, you know, I, you know, mm-hmm. and then they can be directed to other more in-depth texts if they're particularly interested in, in one area. And the, and the fact that it's an ebook makes it more portable. So again, you, you can have it, you know, kind of wherever you need yes, it. Really. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I have the luxury of having my own office at the moment, but I know many people don't. So, you know, having an ebook is, is really the, the most accessible way, I think, think now. So, yeah. Now, you mentioned that having other uh, clinicians from other specialties getting some benefit from this book. Have you personally experienced that? Like you have colleagues in other specialties that have read the book? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, definitely some of my reviewers were actually clinical colleagues as well, and they were quite excited about mm-hmm. about the prospect of their, of their colleagues having access to it. And, um, you know, even just last week, I met an oncologist who's, who's, you know, quite senior, but has never been to a pathology lab. So, you know, for someone like that, I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, hopefully, hopefully a helpful resource. I was wondering too, like, what about patients? Do you think patients would get something from reading this book? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Dennis. I, you know, the target of the book really is, is health professionals and um, it uses a fair amount of scientific jargon, um, which assumes a base level of, of health knowledge. But, you know, I, I do acknowledge mm-hmm. that the first time patients 
often want to learn more about pathology, it's normally at a stressful time. You know, maybe they've just been diagnosed with cancer or another serious illness, um, and they're looking for reliable information. Yeah. So, you know, some patients may benefit from a greater level of information that's normally than what's normally available online. But I would really stress that this should be discussed in conjunction with their with their treating clinician and even without reading this book, my whole aim is that patients will benefit indirectly. So, you know, the clinician is is the person who communicates our pathology reports to the patient. So if they have a better understanding of our reports and our processes, then hopefully they'll be in a better position to answer the patient's questions, you know, for example, about frozens or about cytology tests um, or about, you know, comments that we make in our in our histology reports. And you know, but one of the things I am looking at down the track is maybe some parts of the book could be modified in a way to be more understandable for patients. And, you know, that probably particularly applies to some of the graphics, you know, some of the flow charts that show, you know, what happens to a specimen or, you know, the ones that encompass the specimen right. journey. So, so yeah, so, I mean, the, the main target is, is definitely the health professional, but hopefully there are some parts that could be could be applied to the patient as well. Okay. Okay. I see. And there's definitely always a need for that. I mean, it's, it's not only that other, you know, clinicians in, uh, in other specialties don't know much about pathology, really the patients know even less yes. because we're just not, we're kind of that hidden, uh, department in, in most exactly, hospitals. Anyways. Exactly. Yes. You know, one thing you just mentioned the flow charts in there and that's, I, I want to point that out too, for, um, because there, there are a lot of really good flow charts in the book charts and things. And, that's a good way to have a lot of information very quickly. So I, I like that you added thank those. You. In there yeah, too. thank you for noticing that, Dennis. Yeah, that was that was that was very intentional because that's that's sort of the way that I learn as well, trying to see the process, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in a graphical form. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of I, I've I've been reading a lot lately about like uh, more visual learning, mm-hmm. and it seems like pathology is a good specialty for that because it's it's a visual yes, field. Yeah. Okay. You go through in the book, it's, it's kind of a, like, like the whole process of the, the entire pathology workflow from specimen receipt to entering in the computer system to the, the grossing, or do you call it cut up there? Is oh, that... We do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then through the processing and the sectioning and, and everything. And I like that you go through the whole process because again, it's, that would benefit pathology residents because they don't really get the opportunity most of the time to to do all those things or experience all those things and also other clinicians. Um, Right. Is that why it was important to include all that? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. It was important for me to include the whole journey. And really I was trying to make a standalone resource that gives a complete picture of the whole pathology process. And that was really important to me because really every step in that specimen journey has an influence on the ultimate diagnosis. So if we can be aware of every step in the process, then it means that we can understand the diagnosis, we can understand the reports, and also it helps us to prevent any potential errors as well. So, you know, if we understand things like the importance of inking margins or adequate fixation, we can take steps, you know, preemptively to prevent um, things going wrong downstream. And, um, you know, for clinicians, the microscopic findings per se may not be as interesting um, as learning 
the ways that they can actually improve the way they send their specimen to the lab or learning about some of the terms that we use in our reports. So, so yeah, it was important for me to cover the whole process. Um, equally, it was important for each step to be accessible. So that's where, like you mentioned, the clickable links make it easy just to jump to, to one particular step if that's all you want to read about um, at that time. I think, too, just probably a lot of clinicians don't understand how long of a process it is and how, you know, how much time it takes to do it. So that's a good way to explain that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Know, so we're, we're not just a machine in, in and out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Like people talk about this sort of pathology is like this black box that they just send yes. the specimen and the it spits box. back a report. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah I like that you explain everything that's inside the box, really. Yes. <laughs> Uh, one other thing in the book, and I, I found this really, uh, really important that I want to talk about it. You talk about the importance of clinical information. And, and I want to talk about this because, I, and you even mentioned uh, that there's this sort of myth that giving the pathologist too much clinical information mm-hmm. might bias or influence yeah. their uh, the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so let's talk about this then, uh, why the clinical information is so important. And then like some ways that it might affect what we do in, in pathology. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I still remember one of the first things that they that they teach us in medical school is to, is to take a clinical history. And that's because it's just so vital to the diagnostic process. But, you know, once we've become a pathologist, and, you know, I, I assume it's similar for radiologists, that we then uh, come to a place where we're relying on the clinician to provide that history for us. So it's... Uh, common for clinicians to associate us with the microscope maybe, but that's really just one part of what we do, you know, as you know. So giving us that clinical information, which we can then integrate with the macro and with the micro, it really gives us the best chance of giving the best diagnosis. So, you know, in my opinion, it's always advantageous to have more information. Um, I think it's a myth that we'll be biased by by certain information. And we, we can't report in a silo, you know, we really do need that full picture of clinical information. So, you know, even recently, I was grateful to get, you know, for example, I had a bladder biopsy. And, you know, I was so grateful that they gave me a history of stones and a catheter, because it means that I can, you know, step back from what might look quite alarming and, you know, raise alarms for CIS, I can um, you know, step back and think, well, actually, in this clinical setting, I need to take another look um, or even when we get fresh tissue if we know that they're looking for lymphoma we know we can send the tissue for cell markers and um, or you know in testicular cancers if I know the serology I know if I need to go and take some more samples um, to look for you know choriocarcinoma etc so so you know there can't be enough information I think it's always good to have to have more information um, and you know I think it's also part of our role to educate our clinical colleagues because as I said, most haven't had the chance to visit us in the lab. So, you know, to explain to them exactly why we need the information. And, and you know, they when we ask, they they always do give it happily. And uh, so that, that, that's really great. Yeah, I have noticed, you know, in, in my job as a pathologist assistant in the U.S., like yes. e- even what I do is sometimes influenced by the clinical history. Mm, and sometimes you sure. have to you have to go looking for it. Um, mm. But so it is it is definitely important and and something too like like you mentioned about sending fresh tissue i mean with more there's all these ancillary tests you know the cytogenetics the flow cytometry and even more like molecular tests these days yes. so it becomes even more important to know 
uh, in advance. Yes. What what the kind of the clinical uh, clinic the clinical picture so that we can know you know, what additional tests to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it, it really has it has a huge influence on what we do, what we do with the specimen. Yeah, it seems like it's even it's becoming even more important now. So that's I'm really mm. glad that you you put that in the book because, um, yeah. you know, almost every day there's something like, you know, you go, they don't give you this clinical indication and then you go look for it and you find something. It's like, okay, this is going to completely yes. change what I need to do here. Yes, yes. So that's, and, you know, that's and good sometimes information to have. Yeah, it also makes our service more efficient, doesn't it? If we have the information at the outset, rather yeah. than rather than having to go digging for it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and you don't have to go back the next day and say, "Okay, we need this additional test because we didn't we didn't know." Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I like it. That's that's good. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Dr. Sheila Upriti. We'll be right back. If you're trying to understand the ever-changing world of digital pathology and image analysis. There's a new course that can help you, Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis. Now, this course was created by Dr. Alexandra Zhurov, who you might remember from episode 53 of this podcast. She also writes the Digital Pathology Place blog and hosts the Digital Pathology Podcast. Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis aims to bridge the gap between computer science and pathology and explains some of the complicated concepts in image analysis. You can sign up for this course by following the link in the show notes. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists like us for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Now back to Dr. Sheila Upriti on the People of Pathology podcast. So it seems like there are there are less medical students going into pathology these days, and I've, I've been hearing this a lot, and it's it really seems to be true, uh, like worldwide. Mm. And I think, from what I've heard, anyways, it's partially due to less exposure in pathology to, during medical school. Um, so I'm curious. I guess let's talk about kind of your experience with that, and then do you think a, the book like yours would be helpful in kind of reversing this trend? Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, I, I do hope that my book will help with this. Um, you know, when when we go to medical school uh, here in New Zealand, and I think, you know, as you say, I think it's similar worldwide, our exposure to pathology is, is really quite minimal. And when we do clinical rotations, we have options to choose uh, medical rotations, surgical rotations, um, psychiatry, you know, general practice uh, as a junior doctor, but there's no option to do anatomic pathology. So, Unless you choose to enter anatomic pathology residency, there's no often no reason to have been into the anatomic pathology lab. So, yeah, the exposure is definitely an issue. So, you know, our med students may have more exposure to, for example, radiology or even other types of pathology. They'll come into contact with microbiologists or immunologists or hematologists more often, but uh, exposure to AP is is really quite limited. I remember seeing an occasional pathologist who would come to the ward to do a fine needle aspiration or if you see someone coming for a frozen section but um, apart from that it was it was minimal so yeah I agree it's it's a worldwide issue and um, you know I hope the book sort of triggers an interest in in some medical students and it might also highlight knowledge gaps that they didn't even realize um, 
So no matter which field they end up in, um, you know, we're going to have an impact on their patient's care uh, through the services we provide in pathology. So, um, yeah, it's, it's multifactorial, but sure, I agree. Exposure is definitely an issue. That's interesting what you just said, that it, it, regardless of what specialty they go into, they would they would benefit from reading the book. That mm-hmm. I, I didn't think of that as I was reading it, but that makes sense. Like just having mm-hmm. more knowledge of what happens in the, in the pathology lab can yes. help them be a better a better doctor, regardless of the specialty. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure what the um, board exams are like in the US, but certainly in Australasia, the college exams for surgeons and radiologists and um, oncologists all include a pathology component. So it's quite important for them to to have a basic understanding of of what we do, um, you know, for, for real life practice, but also also to get through the exams. Sure, sure, okay, that makes sense. All right, so. Let's kind of back up because you said that you've been uh, you've been practicing for I think you said over ten years now. So let's let's kind of go back to the beginning of that. Find as far as how how you started. Now we're just talking about exposure to pathology. So what was your kind of first exposure to pathology? Yeah, so pathology wasn't really on my radar at all. To be honest, I was initially interested in general medicine, um, and you know I, I enjoyed all aspects of clinical medicine, but after a couple of years of, of ward rounds, I sort of decided that it probably wasn't for me to do in the long run. And I found it quite easy to exclude specialties that I didn't particularly want to do um, for my career, but I found it harder to pick one um, that I did want to do. But, you know, over time, there were a few cases that, you know, I came across where pathology was having an impact. And, you know, I think the one that I remember most vividly was being on the renal ward and there was uh, a lady with you know a few medical comorbidities and then she had an unusual unusual skin lesion on her leg and you know obviously the renal physicians were very experienced and the first thing they were concerned about was calciphylaxis but you know it was it was a little unusual presentation so they got a biopsy sent it to the lab and the next day we we got an answer of calciphylaxis and and everyone else was jumping to you know treat the patient and you know organize the management and ongoing care but I found myself curious as to well how did the pathologist come up with that answer Uh, so you know I thought this is this seems like an interesting specialty so you know I hadn't been to an AP lab before and I didn't really know anyone doing it so um, I called up the lab and I got to go and visit a few times and then decided to apply and yeah I've been hooked hooked ever since so you know, I, re- I really like pathology now. It's um, you know quite different to what the outside perception might be. It's, it's great working in a big team of people and you know, working as part of the laboratory team. I also like that we get things from all different organ systems. You know, we have complex cases, we have simple cases, and yeah. and I like how we can correlate with the macroscopy and with the clinical radiological picture. And and at the end of it, we're still the gold standard diagnostic diagnosis providing the gold standard diagnosis so that's that's really nice um and Mm -hmm. you know we can have such a significant impact on patient care and but we can also then move on to you know the next case relatively quickly and and help the next person so yeah i think i I also really enjoy writing reports you know as you know as you can probably tell from the book i like to synthesize information and put it together you know in the, Mm -hmm. in the written form so yeah, so I really enjoy the report writing process as well. Mm-hmm. What about like it seems like you you kind of like the the problem solving aspect of it too? Yeah, having the mystery and then solving it is that 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. Putting the clues all together and, and coming up with an answer. Yeah. I've, and I've heard that from a lot of people too, that that yes. was the, that was the thing that brought them into pathology as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you decide you were going to go into pathology, like, cause I've heard, I've heard this one too. Like some people say, you know, Oh, you're so good with patients and now you're going to be stuck in the lab. And yes. d- did that happen to you? Yeah, a lot. Yes. Yeah. So I think there was a few months between when I got into pathology and when I actually started the job. So yes, for that whole few months, I got that comment almost, almost every day, but um, yeah, I think I think it's a misconception. I think once they visit us in the lab, they they know it's not quite like that. Sure, sure, that's true. It, it is a misconception, and you know that pathologists uh, affect the lives of so many more patients mm. than probably any other clinician, really. Maybe yes. indirectly, but because you don't actually see them, but you definitely affect their their diagnoses. Yeah, for sure. And so getting getting back to the book, then th- there's mm-hmm. another section about the multidisciplinary meeting, which um, I like to talk about these because this is getting, I think, more and more important. Mm-hmm. And so t- tell me about then your experience with these meetings. First of all, what um, you know, how like what what is your role in them? Mm, sure. Well, you know, my first experience with them was actually on the clinical side. So, you know, would go as um, oh, okay. junior doctors and present the patients at these multidisciplinary meetings. And, you know, it was always interesting to see, you know, what the images the radiologist showed and, and you know, you'd look at what the pathologist showed. I didn't necessarily understand much of what was going on at that point. But, um, you know, as you get more senior in, in pathology, you sort of realise just how critical that collabor- collaboration is. And, you know, I, I sort of use the word multidisciplinary meeting in the book, but really I guess what I'm trying to say is that communication is what's important. So whether it's in mm. the multidisciplinary meeting or whether it's in the form of phone calls or emails, it's just the fact that we're communicating with the clinicians. And I think it's really important for us to be involved because, you know, we have access to information that the clinicians don't have access to because we have the gross specimen, we have the microscopic images, we have the ancillary tests that we can do. So we're in a position where we can suggest a further course of action that they may not have considered. You know, we can sample more tissue, we can, you know, cut more levels, we can do some more ancillary tests. So um so I think it's really important to be part of that team. And it's also a chance for us to educate our colleagues about what we do in the lab. And also a chance for me or for us to get educated about what they do and what they find important in our reports and what affects their management the most. So, yeah, I think multidisciplinary meetings are, are really important and they and they help to develop our professional networks and relationships as well. You know, I've, I've talked to a few people who, uh, you know, like, like you're saying, it is important for pathologists to be involved in the multidisciplinary meetings, but it might be even better if the pathologist was actually running the meeting because, mm. and I think you, you alluded to this too, like the pathologist is the only one there who really has all of the information. So it's almost, it's almost like the pathologist, I don't know, knows more than anybody else there really. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we have access to more information potentially. So, yeah. um, and you know, I guess often, you know, clinicians might have access to, for example, the radiology images, but you know, at least where I work, you know, they don't have access to the to the histology images. So, uh, so I think that's that's quite a key factor. You know, particularly when it comes to tumors and those types of diseases, where the multidisciplinary input is more important um, than perhaps some of the benign or, or more routine cases. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. 
the last thing I wanted to talk about is, is uh, pathology education. And I guess we talked about this a, li- a little bit already as far as kind of the lack of it in medical school. But mm. l- looking through, at, looking at the, kind of the future of pathology education, uh, how do you think that's going to evolve? What do you, what do, what do you think that's going to look like? Oh, well, I'm really excited about the future of pathology education. I think that, you know, most okay. of us, you know, we're, I guess we're lifelong learners in pathology really. And most of us want a mixture of didactic and case-based learning. So it's our responsibility now to provide those sort of um, type, different types of teaching for the different types of learners as well. And, I, you know, I think the, the foundational knowledge in my book will hopefully help both didactic and case-based teaching to become you know, easier to access. But really the future of pathology education for me is about technology and collaboration. So, you know, on the technology side, there have been so many develops in the developments in the decades since I started pathology. So, you know, including, you know, podcasts such as your own and, you know, the webinars, the video lectures, the interactive microscopy, mm-hmm. you know, things like Path Presenter or Pathology Outlines. All of those things are so exciting because they make pathology so accessible. And, you know, if we can, you know, develop technologies even further with virtual reality, then then that would just that would be the next step, I think. And, you know, in terms of collaboration, I know uh, social media is now increasing in pathology. I'm just new to it, but it's amazing to see what communities there, there already are. And, you yeah. know, I think the collaboration can also make pathology more accessible to people. And it's not just people in low resource settings, but also those who are more geographically remote, such as where I am in New Zealand. You know, for us to post slides for review, you know, it costs a couple of hundred dollars and and takes time to send the slides over. So, you know, if we can do that digitally, that would that would really help our collaborative efforts. So, and I'd also like to see more collaboration with people from different backgrounds, you know, whether that's people within medicine, uh, like our surgical, radiology, oncology, dermatology colleagues, um, or and also from people with a background outside of medicine. So, you know, the medical educators, the VR developers, the game developers, all of those people have a role to play in how we develop pathology education for the future, I think. You mentioned the VR developers and game developers. Like, what, what do you mean by that? Like uh, actual would, video games? Well, I think it would be exciting to be able to do, um, you know, a lot of the things we do in pathology, you know, particularly, I, I guess, the, the role that you do as a pathology assistant, the grossing, you know, where when we first learn, we were learning on real specimens. So if we can learn, you know, in a, in a virtual reality world it means that we don't necessarily have to have that particular specimen in front of us or you know I think it's similar to what some of the surgical specialties are doing as well it just means you can have access to different types of specimens without necessarily having a real life one in front of you okay that makes sense and that would be really helpful for like uh you know rare rare conditions probably that you might only see once or, or maybe never. Exactly. You could yeah. have experience with those. Yes. Yeah. Or have or practice if you get one. You know, you can practice before you actually cut the real thing. Yeah. Okay. I can see how that that would be that'd be really great for for pathology education. I, I like that idea a lot. Mm. Cool. Yeah. If anybody out there listening is a, uh, a game developer, <laughs> jump on that one. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, th- this was a really int- interesting conversation. I like I said, I I. Uh, enjoyed your book and i'm going to uh you know i'll i'll include links to it in the show notes for this episode so that other people can check it out as well it's really it's a really great resource and uh really uh 
really good read. And I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about it and talk about, uh, you know, kind of your uh, career path so far. So uh, Dr. Sheila Upriti, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for taking the time to read the book and thanks for having me on your podcast. And yeah, thanks for all the work that you're doing uh, for pathology as well. If you're looking for another episode of the People of Pathology podcast to check out after this one, here's a clip from my interview with Dr. Abdul Abid as we talk about advocacy in pathology. During the meetings, RFEC members are either hosting the sessions or they're introducing people or because I did I did like live interviews with people on stage uh, while I was a member of the RFEC. I also did a session myself that was encouraging residents to be more active in advocacy because uh, that is something that when you're a resident you are concerned about your residency you want to be a better pathologist and that is completely understandable but what usually people don't do is to think about the broader perspective of the specialty in general and the issues that the broader pathology world is facing and how you even as a resident can contribute to that. So for example, you can contribute to the political action committee that CAP has, or you could be part of other advocacy efforts for, by different organizations. You can hear the rest of my conversation with Dr. Abdul Abid in episode 132. All right, great big thanks to Dr. Sheila Upriti. And again, the book title is From Specimen to Sign Out, Anatomic Pathology Explained. And I think this is a great resource. It has a lot of information that's delivered in a concise way. There are a lot of charts that I really like. So I encourage you to check out the book. And if you do, make sure you write a review for it. So that will help other people not only find the book, but maybe to learn more about pathology as well. Of course, I'll include a link to the book in the show notes for this episode. I'll also include a link to the Royal College of Pathologists of Australasia. There are a lot of good resources on that website as well that I think you'll find useful. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at People of Path, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. I see you, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia, and Malaysia. Thanks for listening. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network. And while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strank, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.